from the salmon, from the duck in the bay, from the grave, the bold, the battered heart of Chevrolet.
Welcome to Crowdsourcing the Revolution. It's just a couple of us here today, Marco. You're welcome to call in if you like. I usually do a little intro at the beginning and cover what we've been working on so far and talk about the projects that we're trying to crowdsource among us. How are you doing today, Marco? Go ahead and unmute yourself and let me know what's going on. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm just working. <laughs> Yeah, right on. What do you do? Oh, I work from home as like a software developer. Oh, right on, right on. And well, I'm that's also fun. starting an, uh, uh, an IT worker co-op. So I'm, I'm oh, you are? Yeah, yeah. So tell me more about that. What's an IT worker co-op co look like? So currently there's four of us um, and we have like three or four clients and we're actively trying to get more clients, but we own the company collectively. Um, we pay ourselves a set amount and then we vote on what to do with the profits. That's cool. And you do IT support or like ongoing maintenance stuff or general? Uh, we're mostly programmers. Uh, so hmm. we make websites and we do web hosting. Got uh, it. But but we also will kind of take any client we can in the IT sphere and then just organize workers to fill it, right? So like like right. build the company in any way. We can just build the company wherever the clients come. <laughs> That's cool. Where are you located? We're in Portland, Oregon. Oh, cool. Very cool city. Almost as cool as where I live. Where do you live? <laughs> Oakland. Oh, well, trust me, almost anywhere is cooler than Portland. <laughs> <laughs> but I like Portland. It's got a lot of good people. It's got a lot of weirdos, but it's got a lot of good people. At least the ones yeah, I, I like ran into. You know, I've, been, I've been keeping Portland weird since 2000. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, a, that's, that's fair. And I, yeah, me, myself, same thing. So on today's show, I was just going to kind of go over some of the ongoing things that we've been talking about, because I think most of us on this app agree that there is a lot going wrong with democracy, but democracy requires we are all participating. So how do we do that so that we create a better place for us? So we've been talking about maybe something like a, a League of Independent Voters or a progressive legislative exchange or um, building mutual aid networks for workers who want to strike but don't even know where to begin. Um, so those are some of the things we were, we've were we been working on. And the other thing is um, I've been promoting the fact that the Equal Rights Amendment has now been ratified by 38 states, and the only thing stopping it from being the 28th Amendment is that the National Archivist hasn't published it, which that person could do if Joe Biden would send a letter. And Joe Biden might send a letter if people start pressuring. And since it's election season and the ERA coalition is, try is doing certifications of candidates, 
I would hope people would vote for the people who want the ERA ratified. I'm going to have a special show on the ERA tomorrow morning with Jenny Hatch, um, who has some interesting historical things to weave into the tapestry of understanding the long history of the Equal Rights Amendment. So I'm going to mostly lay off of that one today. But I do want to give an update about the National Union of, of Healthcare Workers, the 2,000 mental therapists who are striking against Kaiser for bad work conditions. Um, I was out at the strike yesterday, and um, there still is no movement, and this is 16 days they've been on strike now. Um, the main issue they are striking over is the fact that Kaiser is not following what the state law is or what treatment guidelines are related to how quickly you can be seen by somebody to start therapy. It's supposed to be 10 days by state law and Kaiser's breaking the law because right now it takes at least three months to get an appointment and that's if you're in an urgent situation. So... Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on, and and Kaiser is not. It's not that Kaiser doesn't have the money; they just won't hire the staffing that's needed to serve the number of patients that are coming in. And especially considering COVID happening right now, it's a little bit insane to me. Welcome, Ja. It's a little bit insane to me that that even though they have the money, they just won't restructure the way that the mental health services are provided there. Now, as a history, the the um, Kaiser did restructure the way they provide medical care, but they um, but they didn't do it on the on the mental health side, and so it's still um, really poor provision of services, and so that's why they're striking now, 15 days and 16 days, and I'll be back on with them in solidarity on Friday. If, if they haven't resolved it by then. Hopefully this week they'll get it resolved, but this is probably the longest strike of healthcare workers in the longest time, especially on the mental health care side. Jaw, you're welcome to, to dial in. I'm just kind of giving an update. Marco, any thoughts on any of that? Or anything that you'd like to add about what's going on with you? Yeah, thoughts on the era. Uh issue have you reached out to any of the people who any of the like organizations or people who have organized on era already um yes and and that's one of the that's one of the things that's going on right now um i'm waiting for a call back from somebody from the era coalition but i've been trying to every time i've had a chance to talk to a candidate. I try to let them know about the, that people can get certified the ERA call with the ARA coalition. But, um, as far as actually talking to anybody, I haven't had a chance yet. Do you have a suggestion? No, we'll just, yeah, just, just reaching out to ERA coalition. That sounds like you're already doing that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Maybe also anybody who you know who maybe, I don't know, maybe like one of the attorneys who worked on the case where it got on the states where it passed, or just any just anybody who's an organizer on the subject would be good to have on the show. 
Yeah, I would love to. I would love to talk to Kate Kelly, who who has been um, on the forefront of women's rights in a lot of different places, um, and and is the reason why I am so, as well informed as I am right now about this because she had a op-ed in the L.A. Times about a month and a half ago, and and it just pointed out the fact that it's ridiculous that all that needs to happen is somebody needs to tell the stupid national archivist to add it to this constitution because it's met all of the requirements. There's still 12 states that haven't ratified Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, and Utah. So Arizona and Utah out west, but otherwise pretty much heavy, heavy bottom south corner, southeast corner of the, of the if you want to say that's a corner, with America's wang. Well, it's kind of a state, so it doesn't seem like it needs huh? any more ratification. It, well, it has enough no, states to qualify. No, it shouldn't. Right. Yeah. So, so, so one of the things that the, happened is it, so, so. In, tw in 2020, Bill Barr wrote a letter to the National Archivist saying that he shouldn't publish it because it's expired, because there was, um, there was a clause that's not part of the amendment that was added when Congress passed it, and they added a time limitation on it, but no other, no other amendment has had, a time, has had a time limit set on it. And in fact, the 27th Amendment was ratified after 200 years of sitting. Ratified like entirely, some, and it didn't um, be added. It might be a good Somewhat. idea to put some pressure on Merrick Garland. Yes, there is there's a campaign right now because because they they're um, so there's a lawsuit in district court in the DC district court over this issue, and they're asking people to write to Merrick Garland and ask him to rescind the OLC of Bill Barr and issue a new one that there's that 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 the time limitation is bogus. Yeah, th this is really got to get done now because I I really foresee yes. uh, foresee uh, Republicans taking the next presidency. Yes, I totally agree. And here's why I don't think it happened when it when it got ratified by the 38th state, because the 38th state to ratify was Virginia, and it ratified it in January of, wait for it, 2020. So right, right after it got ratified, probably, yeah, right as we went into the pandemic. And so now... Yeah. Now, now nobody's paying attention to it. Now we have a presidential election and nobody's paid attention to it. So like even people that I know that were in the 1970s working on the ERA and thought that it had stalled out and that it would never be added didn't realize that the last three states, because in 2017, I think it was Tennessee ratified and then another state i can't remember which one in in 2019 and then in 2020 virginia did so the now we have 38 so it just has to be great. done i can't believe right. that they have the the gall to just ignore the ratification of a constitutional amendment right <laughs> unbelievable it's not even ignore it's that they've dismissed it 
they just dismiss it like it's not a thing. So that's why I think, that especially because there's an election season coming up and there's 435 people that have to be, that, that, that are going to be put into office, let's try and make sure that they know about this. Because I don't even know, I mean, I'd be interested to know if even my representative knows that this is the situation. It would shock me if the ERA coalition never sent anything out about it or they didn't notify people. I mean, they're a group that has been dealing with this. They formed in, they only formed in 2014, but they've been doing it long enough. So, so yeah. what is the press so, how it's supposed to work? So the, it gets ratified and then the president has to ask the archivist to do it? The archivist can't just do it? Like, can we put, can we put pressure on the archivist? So we can put pressure on the archivist. The previous archivist just quit. We have a new archivist um, as of the beginning of um, July, I think. The old one stepped down. And and there's because of this stupid argument, and there's some states that are trying to say that they want to rescind their ratification, which there's no process for doing that. So that's not allowed. But in terms of it's Article 5 that explains how you add an amendment and, and it's met all of the criteria and then some. So, so it's just that who, nobody's put, nobody's, yeah, n not enough people have put pressure on the right people to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd love to hear what, what, what ERA Coalition has as far as organizing ideas, because it's definitely something that that should happen. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it should. You can even get the libertarians on in this on this because it's completely going against established constitutional law. Right. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear what 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 they think about about that. It's an interesting and long journey since th since this amendment was written in 1923 originally, but then it wasn't approved by Congress. It was introduced into Congress every session since then. And then in 1972, Congress finally passed it and it was sent to the states for ratification. And then it stalled out and then it popped back up. And let's see, I was just reading, I just saw it in the... Uh, the States that did it, um, and, and you know maybe in maybe this Nevada in, Nevada in tw Nevada in 2017, the first state in 40 years to to ratify. Illinois ratified in 2018, and Virginia at the end of January of 2020. And there was this a thing that said it had that after two years after ratification, it would go into effect. So technically it's in effect because it's been two years since ratification because that would be January 27th, 2022 would be two years. So it's technically part of the constitution, but it's not because it hasn't been published as part so that you can't get the complete constitution. You know, what if, what if you were to do like an activist court case where you use the Equal Rights Amendment as your precedent for your, your, your argument? Oh, that's not a bad idea. I bet be somebody's like, thought. I bet somebody's thought of all of these things. You know. Exactly. Yeah, that's why I'd love to hear what what the organizers are doing. <laughs> well, if you have a better idea for how I can get to folks, because one of the things that I've noticed is, especially if an issue is is um, around a, some some non 
non-white, non-male issue. So women, minorities of any sort, they, they tend to make it difficult to get directly in touch with them through the web. It's hard to find a phone number or whatever to get a hold of them. Do you have any ideas how I can might might be able to get a get a hold of people? Um, potentially by their coalition partners. Okay. Like um, if you go to the ERA coalition site and you look at their coalition yep. partners. Our supporters. Start hitting up anybody there. Yep. And like that can be a way because like, you know, like, you know, somebody who knows. That's somebody. a good idea. You know, like, oh, here. The I don't know anybody. Well, this is how you get to know people, right? You have a platform. Yeah, yeah. You can bring them on. You so are correct. You are so correct. I saw Allison, but then she left. Hi, July. Welcome. Jaw, you're welcome to join the conversation. I'm just going to assume since you're not that you're here to listen. Ah, there you are. Hello. All right. I'm going to hang on. Marco, I'm going to make you a speaker so I can bring up Jaw as the caller. Hey, hey now, Jaw. Amanda. What's up? It's been a long time. I was on vacation last week um, down in Mexico with my husband. So Yeah, um, did you have a nice trip? I did. It was uh, it was pretty nice. I was a little, I don't know, I was sitting on the beach poking my lip out because of all the uh, negative reactions and hand-wringing and irritating yeah. you know, commentary yeah. about the student loan forgiveness and things like yeah. that, as if yeah. anyone was going to do anything better at all. <laughs> um, or if that were even possible. But besides that, I'm, I'm pretty good. It was a much needed vacation that, you know, was overdue for years here. And so. Oh, well, that's good. Nice. That's really good. So I admit I have not been tuning in. Um, well, that's okay. I have, I have missed your little icon. Oh, <laughs> I missed your icon too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was just kind of updating on the ERA and, and interestingly, um, and, and Marco, um, one of the reasons why I'm following the ERA is because Kate Kelly and an op-ed that she had in the LA times mm. and Kate Kelly, it turns out, um, is one of the only people in the last hundred years to be excommunicated from the LDS church. And she got excommunicated for um, advocating for women to be clergy. And that is mm. absolutely not okay in that church. And so absolutely not okay. She was excommunicated. And so then she continued her advocacy for women's equality even after she was excommunicated and became now, what church is this again, the, Amanda? Uh, Mormon LDS. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah. So tomorrow morning, I'm going to be having a conversation with Jenny Hatch, who is a member of the Mormon Church, mm. and and she's got some interesting views about vaccines and things that are not the mandate related type. But hmm. she's very 
interestingly open-minded and some I'm interested to hear because Kate Kelly's journey through women's equality and through the Mormon church and being excommunicated and all the things that I've listened to her be interviewed about and how that's impacted her life and the things that she does now. I'm, I'm curious to hear. And one of the things Kate Kelly said is that in the seventies, the Mormon church gave as a mission to a lot of women in Utah and Nevada to go out and fight against the ERA. So their church ordered them to go take a mission to fight the ERA, which is one of the reasons why Arizona, Utah are still not ratified. And Nevada just got ratified in 2017 because the Mormon church sent the women out to fight against it. And I'm curious how much of that history Jenny knows. And it seems um, she wrote an article on it in 2013. So I'll be posting the link to the article also. But I'm, I'm just interested to hear because I've had a couple of conversations now or listened to a couple conversations with Jenny and some stuff she says make me uncomfortable. But I think that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. If you can hear with an open mind and an open heart where the person's coming from, because I think she's She's one of the people that has views opposite me that I feel like is in good faith most of the time, which is why Do I want to have like the conversation. Do you feel like you're comfortable pushing back on some of those beliefs? Oh, yes. Yes, I am. And or at least being curious about them, because it's not necessarily about that she's trying to convince people. Sure. I, I just am curious. I'm curious what her thoughts are, especially con- so when um I was listening to a show, I can't remember what it was called, but basically it was the two hosts of it are both lapsed Mormons and lesbians, and they were interviewing <laughs> Kate Kelly, so it made for a really fun show, but like they were like kind of joking because Kate Kelly had been married to a man, but now she's with a woman. And so they were like kind of just, so you were married to a dude, the guys, the, the ladies were saying, right? And, and Kate Kelly goes, well, I just want to clear something up right now. I'm pansexual. I was married to a man, a very nice man. He's still a very nice man. He's just not married to me anymore. Currently with my current partner, and we're good with that. But this is not about my sexuality or my sex life. This is what it is. And she just, like, quietly shut them down with this, like, whole... I just, I find the way sometimes the intonation... Some people, especially people who tend to be toward the feminine end, tend to go dude like it's a derogatory term. Like a dude Mm -hmm. is like a, Mm -hmm. you know, a clown or a dummy or whatever. And so she just shut that down. But I thought that was a very interesting, because she's like, this is not about that. But, But it was interesting to hear her talk about the influence of, of the church in getting in get it having blocking the ERA and in addition to Phyllis Schlafly and all of the stuff going on with that. Oh, sorry, I lost my train. I lost I lost my train of thought. I don't think it had a caboose. What state are you in, Amanda? I California. I'm in Oakland. What about you, Marco? Oregon. Oh, okay. We're on the West Coast. I'm down in Phoenix. July, where are you? She's writing in the chat. I see her. <laughs> I see you. I see you. Amanda, there is, there is a California Women's Law Center. 
that is part of the yeah. Coalition. Okay. Uh, California Partnership to End Domestic Violence. I think there's so also I there's a chapter of um uh is it now there's a chapter of uh oh no it was it's the Quakers there's a Quakers group in Oakland that that's doing what is that Quake why do I have that Quaker group on my mind oh, yeah, the Quakers are, are great <laughs> yeah I, I think this I think I found their I've got I've got the notes. Let me pull them up here. Um, okay, let's see. Um, I think they are interrupting. No, not interrupting. No, not that one. The Fairness Project, maybe. No, not that one. I found a lot of really good. Um, there are a lot of. So give me that give me that information again, and then I'll go into what I found a lot of for the for the um, the women's legal defense. Is that yeah, what it was? So California Women's Law Center. Women's Law Center. Okay. And then the California Partnership to End Domestic Violence. Okay. And both of those links are on on the uh, supporters page. Okay. Um, oh, American Friends Service Committee, that's what it was. Um, they coordinate programs in migrant youth, economic activism, and healing justice. I was probably working on something with um, the um, abolition, decarceration, interrupting criminalization. So, so one of the things that, that has, has become apparent as I have gone further into um, these programs is is that everybody's got a great idea and the United States is nothing if not entrepreneurial. So everybody wants to start up their own new nonprofit to get the ERA passed or to deal with decarceration or to do whatever when really we should be looking for what's already here and, and contributing to the efforts of, of good quality organizations that are already doing the work. But because we don't have a history in this country, it's not a culture that that um, encourages collaboration or cooperation. It's a very competitive type of milieu that we live in. At least that's my perception of it. And so that doesn't lead us naturally to the types of things that we need to be collaborating on. We just have to kind of force it a little more. But there are a lot of organizations doing a lot of good work out there. I don't know what Oakland DSA is like, but in Portland DSA, we have a um, feminist caucus. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you could take this to them and be like, hey, I'd like to organize some phone Oh, that's a good idea. And uh, let's organize getting some people together to like call the people to push the ERA now that it's been ratified. That's a um, really good idea. I don't you know. You guys both there's... DSA members? I'm not at the moment. I'm a DSA member. Yeah. Okay. But I hate them. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a DSA stand by any means. I, I struggle with them as an organization. What are your struggles, Marco? Hi, Joshua. Tinfoil hat or fact? I feel like we've been infiltrated by the FBI, and there's a lot of people who just stir up shit. Oh yeah. 
So I think that's our main problem. <laughs> but DSA National is pretty, uh, pretty bad. You know, and I, I think about that kind of stuff all the time where I'm like, man, like, how can we really successfully organize without being infiltrated, without, I don't know, it's, it's so, these efforts are so easily corruptible. So, uh, so the I mean, way you do it. Strategy for that. But sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm curious. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so we were discussing this and with amongst ourselves in Portland PSA and like people were like, this guy, you know, don't need to name names. It's like, that's, if this guy is an FBI, he's, he's, he might as well be because he's doing exactly what they want people in the FBI mm -hmm. to do, infiltrators. And so we're like, well, what do we do about it? Do we try to kick him out? I'm like, no, we can't kick him out because it's like a hydra. If you cut off one head, two more replace it, right? How so? so the, the strategy, well, because I mean, you kick out one FBI agent and they've got as many as they can throw at you. They'll just send I someone see. else. So, so that's why it's a hydra. So like, what we just have to focus on the work and then they can just focus on fighting. So like, like what unites us is our work, is our actions. Uh, the F, there was a story about how the FBI weren't able to infiltrate a lot of the uh, BLM movement chapters. They weren't able to infiltrate Antifa because they were not hierarchical organizations. They were horizontal organizations. So it's like in Portland hmm. BSA, the people who are doing the work are focused with each other to do the work. The FBI infiltrators don't do the work. That's very similar to um, ACT UP. Um, people, it's, it was very decentralized when it came mm -hmm. to action and there wasn't a lot of hierarchy there. People were like, look, you do whatever you think is best for the movement and we're not going to, this, this faction over here, these people, we're not going to stop you. And so, yeah, I, that, there's a lot of wisdom in that, Marco. That makes a lot of sense. So, so is there a resource that kind of explains how you structure that kind of thing? Because that's what I was going to say too. Is it's there's it, the decentralization is key. It seems like. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can just take you know like any of the local chapter DSA bylaws is a good starting point, but okay. yeah, generally bylaws are the way you structure that, you know, cause that way it's like um, one member, one vote, nobody gets any more votes. Uh, so there's no like, <laughs> there's no rigging of the primary kind of thing like the DNC does. Um, Welcome Josh. Welcome Derek. That's, so, so yeah, and, but that is keeping it horizontal. I don't think I've ever worked inside a horizontal organization like that. So I'm it's not great. sure how I can pick. I'm not sure. I'm not, I, I only know the kind of organizations that I've been in, which have been mostly with people older than me who like to bitch about their neighbor's fence blocking their view or their neighbor's tree blocking their, I mean, I haven't lived in Oakland for the last I've only lived in Oakland for 18 Ooh. months again. Amanda, so I've been, I was in a watch. small town. <laughs> I know they are watching me. They are watching me. I'm suspicious. The, I'm, 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 I'm a white lady. I'm a white lady in my 50s. Come on. The <laughs> They're watching the me. Eyeball, the big side eye eyeball. <laughs> you know what I'm talking no. about? No. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, neighborhood yeah. watch? No, no, no. I don't know. I have my Black Lives Matter up. <laughs> on the paintings move like in Scooby Doo. Mm -hmm. 
that would be funny. So, so the, one of the things that I think could be really good that is as a way to kind of gathering in all of these, like, I don't know how old people are in here, but I remember there was a day when you could like get a phone book and then, yeah. Was it heavy? Yeah. Was the paper all really, really thin? Yeah. But there was like all the phone numbers listed in there and all the organizations and stuff. And you can't even do that. The online net right now, it's trying to get like a list of organizations. I haven't found a good place for that. A good list of, 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 I don't know, watchdog organizations and, and, and things that people can, uh, organizations people can trust when they go, okay, so this organization is, has endorsed this candidate. I know that's a good thing, but I don't even know what organizations endorse candidates. You know what I'm saying? Does any of that make sense? Yeah, I mean, a lot of organizations don't even necessarily endorse candidates. Like, we don't generally endorse candidates. We only endorse candidates where we're running them. <laughs> right, right. Well, and that makes sense when you're when you're a party, but as independent voters, which somebody was saying earlier today, is the largest well, voting bloc really is people party. that don't vote. Yeah, we're what? not really a party though. We're we're not a party. We're uh, you know we oh. have Democrats in the in the chapter, and we fight. We are. Oh. <laughs> we yeah. Are you Democrats. sure you're not a party? <laughs> no, that's not a party. So you're right? not a party. Okay. No, we're we're a socialist organization. We're a five hundred one c three. No, sorry, we're a five hundred one c four. Okay. So, what yeah, kinds so of things do you do? Uh, so, five hundred one c four is an organization that is a nonprofit that does political activity, whereas five hundred one c threes are charities and are not allowed to right. do explicitly political activity. So, we're a nonprofit political organization. So we do things like run candidates, uh, uh, get ballot measures, um, protests, uh, stuff like that. That's, that's cool. It's good to have kind of a central place to, to, to organize. So there's a lot of independents that if they've never been part of any political party or a group like DSA, or I know there's a, a, a several other types of groups like that out there that if they don't belong to one of those types of groups, they, you know, it's hard to know how to evaluate ballot measures and candidates. And if there were a resource that people could go to, to kind of check things out and make it easier than trying to drink water from a fire hose on the internet, to, to quote a mm -hmm. metaphor. So, so, you know, having a coalition of independent voters and independent candidates, having a, a resource, you know, I don't even know what it would look like. I'm kind of just still well, forming can, the idea. Exactly you just start a 501c4. That is a political organization. You can call it like independent. I independent would call it, I would call it civic. The yeah, coalition they, of independent voters and independent candidates. Yeah. And then, and then now that you have a bit, because what a, a C3 and a C4 or C6 or C8, what they actually are, are businesses. It's like right. an LLC or a corporation or a cooperative. Like it's a type of business. So you can right. start that C4 business and then you can start taking in money for donations. And you don't have to pay taxes on these donations because you're a political C4. So now you right. have money. And then, you, and then when you want to run a ballot measure, you create the political action committee that runs the ballot measure. 
when you want to get charity money, because C4s can't take charity money, you, then you start another version of your, like we have a Portland, uh, there's like a DSA C3 that's a charity. Uh -huh. So you can get in money from different ways, and then you can build this political organization that does work and that uses money to do the work. And then this is where you have the lobbyists and the unions for us, which is the topic of the rooms. Right, right, because it does take money if you're going to get, and and I think I still am going back and forth between how how effective it is to to work within the electoral system as it currently exists to try and get things versus versus blowing up the current system. And it's kind of, I think I've kind of settled in it on an ambivalence of you've got to kind of do both because we need to alleviate suffering that's happening right now. And that's in the current system. So we have to work within it. But we also yeah. have to have a vision for what we want to have instead of what we have. And I find that to be missing mostly. Do you find that missing or do you have you found that somewhere? It, it's not missing. It's been crushed. So it, it's sort of like the indigenous nations, you know, they never, there was about 40 uh, when the when the settlers came here and now there's about 20 but there's still 20 they are still here they are nations who have existed for hundreds of years and they are still here the resistance to the capitalist system was crushed in this country but it it yeah you know, that's why richard wolf talks about how socialism and communism is capitalism's shadow no matter where capitalism goes the shadow of it will be the people who are always resisting it so, so that's so it's there. We just need to engage in it, grow it, and rebuild what has been destroyed. We, the communists, lost in this country. They were defeated by the New Deal, and they've been dismantled. Mm -hmm. And it's time to bring them back, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. So, do you think? Do you? So, just the, just your your take. At, right out of the blue without having a chance to think about it too much. Do you think that, do you think that this is going to be a long evolution or you think there's going to be something that triggers it to move fast? Because um, I, I don't see how we're going to deal with climate change otherwise. Well, well, so I think that the, the last 20, 30 years are the beginning of the end of the US empire. The, the empires don't fall in a, a year. Empires fall over decades. So, so we're seeing this resurgence. The fact that all of us are even here having this conversation is, be, is, is because we are the beginning of it. So what I think is happening is as the empire is crumbling around us, we're going to have to be the thing that replaces it and something will replace it. And we are now organizing for that thing. Do you think a lot of people see it that way? No. Yeah, me neither. Uh, and um, that's why I talk about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Ja? Oh man, these are big questions, y'all. 
which this is this is some very high level discussion here. I mean, I don't know. I, just reflecting on what you said about dismantling the system and trying to find corrective steps within it while we're you know while we're bullshitting. Um, right. It, when we have these two forces, one will undo the other, and we we do want that. But I think I don't know. I, I sometimes I almost feel like we might have to choose. Do you know what I'm saying? Specifically because one thing really will, like if you've got all these forces trying to undo the system and you're trying to work within the system, I don't know. But then again, I think about like which one is more likely to work. And Mm. I I come up pretty ambiguous as well, Um, Amanda. I'm like, I don't even know anymore. There is, when I look at our system, just even if I were just to go for it, like the electoral system, there is just so much inhibiting any sort of progress as we would define it in that space. There's just so, there's so many mechanisms and so many levers that are pulled by the establishment. I, I just can't see it, honestly. And I'd be getting in trouble so, for saying stuff. Like, the, way, the way I see our current system is it's, it's in complete critical system failure. Like it's going yeah. to collapse no matter what. So I don't disagree, and I think that we have to be... So one of the, the biggest tragedies, I think, of, of COVID, other than the tragedy of all the deaths and mistaken decisions that were made, is that we didn't take that opportunity when schools were closed and kids were out of schools to really reimagine what it means to learn and what it means to be educated because there's no reason we should have annual chronological years of education that are packed in with subjects once you get to high school that are extraneous to a lot of people. Enrich your brain. I'm all for liberal arts education, but also why aren't we reimagining things? We didn't take the opportunity when we had it to do things different. Some people are trying. And some of those people are on the right and are anti-vaxxers and they have great education ideas, but nobody wants to listen to them because their vax ideas are fucked. We have Mm -hmm. to kind of get over ourselves, I think, a little bit. Take everything. I mean, I'm not saying that just because you do have to consider the source, but also people who are super shitty do come up with good ideas. It happens. It really does. Uh, but Amanda, we also... Was... So go, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was saying, we no. also didn't take, take this opportunity to reform our healthcare system. A hundred percent. When you talk about the very thing that this you know, crisis really could have gotten at the heart of, you know, the economy is another thing. Of course, we're going to, you know, we're not reforming that. So instead of lamenting that we ha- that we weren't ready this time, because we all kind of seem to think that it's not the only time this is going to happen, and there are other kinds of events that can disrupt systems. So how do we prepare so when it comes around the next time, we deal with it differently, and we have a plan of attack is kind of what my thinking is. Exactly. And I mean, the Democrats, what does that look like? And to me, there's that is trigger laws. No, that's dual power organizing. Dual power organizing. Would you talk about what that is a little bit more, please? Yeah, so uh, dual power is a term coined by Lenin. Um, and the idea is that 
they believed that um, communist socialism would arise in an, in an industrialized nation. They didn't think socialism could happen in Russia, which is why they didn't implement socialism in Russia. Uh, but so they so they theorized that as the socialist communist power grew within the capitalist country, it would slowly drain the capitalists of workers. So when half the workers are working were in a communist business, then the capitalists have half as much workers, half as much productive capacity in which they can use to buy the government. So slowly the dual power will eat the capitalist power, and then it will transition to communism. And so dual power organizing is about organizing the workers to seize the means of production, organizing people to make the government irrelevant. You know, So like somebody like Cooperation Jackson is doing dual power organizing. They're creating a solidarity economy to capture the economic power of the, to seize the means of economic production. They're organizing people's assemblies in which they're getting, uh, they're organizing people neighborhood by neighborhood in people's assemblies. And then they're also, they also took the mayorship. So they have the mayor, people's assemblies and solidarity economics. And it's, all of this is dual power organizing so they can actually seize the government. And, and part of this is like food sovereignty. They're creating farms, providing food for themselves, producing that food for the food that they consume in their community. So okay. if we do this dual power organizing, it is the best way to fight the capitalists, but it's also the way we survive as the system is falling. Hey, Marco. So this is a little bit what Peter Joseph talks about. Oh, I'm sorry, Derek. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'll be quick. Hey, Marco, is, is dual power organizing how you became a speaker and a listener at the same time? What do you mean? <laughs> you're, you're in you're the both. room as a as a speaker as a listener. <laughs> no, I don't know how that happened. I think that's about <laughs> That's how powerful you are. Ja, up to you. You know Colin be bugging y'all. Um so this is very interesting. I'm I'm yes, Marco, absolutely. I'm I'm ready. We were I was just over at um uh, BRN earlier today, talking to them about, well, something came up where they were talking about how do we get these, and as they were calling them, boutique leftists. And they even like, they was naming names out here. I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> they had named Brianna Joy Gray, and y'all know that's my girl. So I had to, you know, people were like, oh, we'd be reaching out for, um, you know, to Brianna about certain things. And we're trying to get her more involved in some things that are more on the ground. And, you know, they mentioned a lot of other people. Um, and it's like to no avail. And I kind of was talking there and saying, you know, well, how can we put pressure on people who really have much bigger platforms than we do? And, you know, even people, uh, bigger platforms than people like Sabs or or Nick uh, to, you know, really start organizing in this way, specifically in the ways that Marco mentioned. Like, how do we how do we do that? Because I think we could and and target their their audience to be like, no, let's actually do something. Yeah, like it, that's that's kind of what I want to talk more about. But because crowd, crowdsourcing the revolution is about like how what 
we know people have done this before. Black Panthers had a really successful program in several cities. And, and how do we do that without becoming targets, for yes. one? You know, we do the decentralized, <laughs> it's the decentralized organizing. You have to, exactly. it means that we can't organize in very public ways, like on the internet, we have to be able to take our organizing outside of where we can be tracked. But that's also almost nowhere anymore. And I recognize yep. that. So, so being, we have to be, well, I don't know. There's lots of uh, desert here in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, right. For sure. I want to share I want to share one more thing because we're getting close to the hour mark. And then I want to hear from Derek and Joshua or David, if you'd like to call in or the second Marco, Marco, the Marco squared. Um, We we appreciate squares around here. Um, The other the new resource that I uh, wanted to share with you and I discovered this because I um, listened to Brianna Joy Gray's um, Bad Faith about the COVID, the one with Robbie and then the other guy. The other guy was from an organization called Opt Out Media. You guys know about this? I so this not. is so this is this is independent news you can trust. It's an it's an app that that um, let me get to the page where it explains what it is. So um, so what it is is it's a news aggregation app exclusively for independent media. It app it, the app launched in early 2022 in March. Unites independent outlets and gives news consumers a refreshing, fully independent media ecosystem, 100% free from corporate media narratives. So it's got articles, podcasts, and videos from more than 150 outlets, and the outlets are. Uh, Africa is a country. I'm just going to read some of them because there's like 153 of them. Belly of the Beast Cuba, Big by Matt Stoller, Borderlines, Brown Girl Green, Chomp, Chompsky, Power and Pop Culture, Citations Needed, which is one of my very favorite podcasts is Citations Needed. If you haven't listened to that one, please do. Counterpunch. Uh, David Feldman Show, David Harvey's Anti-Capitalist Chronicles, Democracy at Work, um, Economic Update with Richard Wolff, Empire Files, hmm. Facing South, Foreign Exchanges, Katie Halper, Knock LA, Left Anchor, Making Contact. If you don't know that show, you should check it out. Making Contact is a great show media roots radio so it's got and that i'm only up to the m so there's a lot of very good and they're all independent and they're all evaluated by by the um the board and the advisory group um that's involved with it it's called optout.news n-e-w-s optout.news and they have a free week weekly newsletter and all the site it's not a pay thing. They're, they're a nonprofit charity based in Brooklyn and you can contribute to them if you want, but they don't take, um, they don't take corporate money and 
and they rank, they rate, they rate people who want to participate with their either as an independent journalist or as an outlet. They have to be independent and they have very specific what they mean about being financially independent. They have to be accurate. Doesn't mean you can't make mistakes, but you have to issue timely corrections. You have to have fair labor practices, no hate speech, has to be strong original reporting and sharp analysis of important issues, and it has mm. to be relevant. That no, so, that no hate speech thing could get tricky. It could be. Opt-out does not tolerate speech that discriminates based on race, ethnicity, religion, nationality, citizenship, status, gender identity, sexual orientation, disability, or other protected classes. I think they can all get sticky because how do you determine accuracy, right? How, how, it, how much is, but, but you know what? I think that so that, so the app has been up since March. The foundation that started this group to do this thing um, started in 2020 and and people who participate or the 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 groups that participate they you know they get to have their profile raised on the app and in the weekly newsletter but then they also have an open line to all the other creators in the in the network so um it, I, I don't. I think it's. I think you should check it out if you don't know about it yet. Opt out news, is is. Uh, it's worth. It's worth looking at. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna for sure say, because because I haven't looked. I I know a lot of the names of the podcasts or shows that are in it, and I like that it's audio, video, and and written all in one place. That it's because it's an aggregator, right? This is really interesting to change the subject slightly because only slightly because this is from my composition book that I just got at the Salvation Army for $1.99. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those, you know, composition books, you know, they have the black and white covers, except this one is like a lime green cover. And, and it says on the inside cover class schedule, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then there's also a web reference, general reference research sites. Okay, this is what's printed on the inside cover of this thing that they give to students. The first one is the Central Intelligence Agency, <laughs> their Facebook page. Oh no, it says Factbook, sorry. Central oh Intelligence God. Agency is the first website on this web reference for students. Then CNN Student News, then e-library research, Encyclopedia Britannica, Fact Monster, Gallup, Hoover's Business Research, Information Please Almanac, iTools Research, Library of Congress. Oh, at least they got the Library of Congress and the National Archives, Smithsonian Institution, Census Bureau, Department of Labor, and the U.S. federal government, in case you didn't get to one of the ones at one of the other ones. The CIA is the first one. Talk amongst yourselves. That's crazy. The CIA has their fingers and everything. It's amazing. Budget. I want that budget. I want that budget. <laughs> Marco, I appreciate the the direction. I'm gonna. There looks like there's an East Bay DSA. Uh, I don't know where they meet. 
so I'll check them out. Um, and it says there's, uh, so what's the difference between democratic socialists of America and the young democratic socialists is the young democratic socialists, like the high school kids or whatever. Yeah. That's know? like a caucus uh, within DSA for high school and college. Okay. So, so very, I, I don't know. I know Derek's already heard me opine about this, but Oakland uh, in 2020, they passed a ballot measure that 16 and 17 year olds could vote for school board. So this year would have been the first year where they can vote for school board and the, and the clerk, the clerk couldn't get it together to put the ballots together. So 16 and 17 year olds will not be able to vote this year because after it, it's been two years since the vote was taken, what happened? You didn't have enough time What the fuck. Yeah. How hard is it? How many 16 and 17 year olds are there in Oakland school district that aren't on Oakland school district rolls? We just like, how hard is this? The United States <laughs> has granted, um, uh, in illegitimate elections. I don't know if you know that like there's like exit polling done in the U S everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. the, the acceptable amount to be invariant and, and to be considered a legitimate election is like one to 3%. And election poll, uh, uh, election polls in the United States are typically seven to nine percent off. Yeah, so, I tend to also think that people are, tend toward not trusting things, so they're not. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what I voted. <laughs> I mean, if they're voluntary polls, you know, people can say they can just say no, no, thank you, I don't want to participate. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't know how many people they asked. They're done by the same organizations all over the world. Like, like the UN sends out people to election polling. Like, there are multiple. Okay, that's fair. And, and, that's fair. and the U.S. is regularly out of variance to be considered a le legitimate election. Almost every election we do that they monitor is found to be illegitimate. <laughs> yes. So let's see, we went over the ERA, um, the civic independent voter, um, and the, and the union. If you do, if you would like to join, um, Jenny and I tomorrow for more of the history behind the ERA and its connection with the LDS church, we'll be, um, starting at about 9.15 Pacific time. Um, right here on Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I was hoping. I was waiting for it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate now I don't it. feel so dumb. Big. I was laughing too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get me started on my pun life because you know, an English teacher. You, you can take them out of the classroom, but you know, you can't take the teacher out of them. Real so indeed. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna I'm gonna make one more recommendation, um, but before I do, I want to see if anybody else has anything they want to contribute because I'm gonna start to wrap up, and what I'm gonna do is the wrap up is I'm gonna play about a minute and a half, which is an introduction to what is probably the best podcast, looking through, looking from a progressive perspective, and through economics at at America. So, and the, the introduction gives kind of a background of what it is. The, the podcast is called Unfucking the Republic. And if you haven't heard it, please 
just listen to the intro and decide because it is, it will give you a new understanding of how economics and capitalism and democracy have all intersected to get us to where we are today. With that, let's see. Derek, what would you like to say? Hi. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So I thought I'd stall that, make people wait and listen to the sound of my really boring voice. Perfect tease, um, perfect tease. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, as far as, uh, you know, pushing healthcare for everyone um, as a, a part of a platform that we've talked about, right? Um, I think it would be wise, uh, especially with the, the COVID kind of uh, situation playing out, to uh, focus at least part of, of that uh, language uh, to uh, include a, a national defense kind of angle or combination of arguments. Um, to provide yeah, for yeah. the national welfare, is that what you're talking about? To provide for the <laughs> national welfare and defense? Defense, welfare, liberty, you know, the preamble stuff. Um, it, it, it can be uh, easily argued that healthcare for everyone uh, is relevant to all of those things. Um, but national defense, uh, I think, you know, would be the less obvious one for a lot of people. Um, you know, like what was exposed through the COVID situation, I think maybe for the first time for a lot of people is just how unprepared we are. Um, obviously there's a lot of different competing factors for why things were so bad. Things were handled terribly. Um, and we have yet to learn just how bad it really was. Uh, we don't know the full story yet. Things are going to be coming out, but what we know is that uh, for sure we did not have enough staff and we wouldn't have had enough staff to deal with anything COVID or, or uh, chemical or biological or nuclear attack. Um, all kinds of other pathogens that would have been much more devastating. Uh, we weren't prepared. Didn't have enough staff, didn't have enough trained staff, didn't have enough facilities, didn't have enough, uh, materials. Beds. Yeah, everything. Yeah. The tangible things, masks, beds, uh, equipments, on and on. We didn't have enough to, to handle anything that could really put us down in a much more significant way. And, you know, that has everything to do with both parties, uh, failing right. to protect uh, us and failing to defend us against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I, I consider that to be real talk, you know, all yeah. enemies with a big How fucking do... capitalized all. In foreign anything and that... domestic, yes. Right. right, anything that jeopardizes the lives of Americans. Right. And, and, right. I mean, we, a couple of uh, terrorists coming over, sure, they could do some damage. Um, but nothing compared to some of these things. And we're completely unprepared for those. Um, so, 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 Derek, I can I ask you? Across, sorry, I, I just think that would nope. appeal to a, a larger sort of coalition that we need down the road that would include, like, a lot of support from independents especially. But, you know, 
everyone else too, really. I, I totally agree, but how are we going to get it set up so that the incentives are right and hospitals don't do this thing where they only have just enough, they don't have an emergency backup? Do we regulate that in? I don't think that you would want more, more requirements, regulations over that or do we just nationalize the healthcare system i mean do you have us i'm no, i'm putting you on the spot i realize but i'm just curious if you've thought about that um well i think that's the place where people need to get to um i just think we need to help them get to that place where we have this kind of where we're asking questions like that where we're debating yeah. instead of pretending it away and everything you know will magically improve somehow but right I mean, there's none of that talk right now, and we've seen it at its worst, and it's it's like, damn, I, wow. All kinds of smart people aren't even willing to even weigh in. So, I mean, first things first, we need to address exactly what what the problem is, you know. Yeah, and, that, I'm and, I'm fully on board with that 100%, yes. But I so guess anyway, I forget sometimes. I guess I forget that, I, that I'm, because I'm so in the middle of all of it, and it's like swirling around my head all the time. I forget yeah. there's people out there with, that don't deal with it all the time. Am I the only one? I don't think so. I hope I'm not the only one. Well, I mean, even basic shit, right? right? Like in the, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, like a lot of that shit was stupid and basic. Like what, what happens if we get hit with a nuclear attack? You know, well, you know, you crawl into your desk and kiss your ass goodbye or you could go to a shelter but people tended to know in their communities where a shelter was now people have no fucking clue they don't even prioritize basic shit to defend us you know so yeah you know even like simple simon shit you know so i yeah. mean not having enough masks well that's just going to shut us down completely if yeah. if uh, something worse comes along we should be looking at this like we got lucky that it wasn't worse. Let's fix the fucking problem. Problem existed before COVID, that's for sure. Do they treat us like we're citizens or do they treat us like we're serfs? Like we're customers. Well, how do we treat ourselves? I mean, it's not like I hear all kinds of uh, well-intentioned people that are informed talking about any of this. So, I don't I mean, know. I, I hear it a lot them. because I'm here. I, I don't even get me started on COVID because the fucking rabbit hole, rabbit hole on that is deep. Yeah, but just ignoring yeah. COVID and looking at the aftermath. No, I don't mean to ignore it. I mean it's like the after. It's not like we're out there talking about, you know, the the problems with the staffing and the, the corporate structure of our hospitals and all that well, stuff. We're, we're just yeah. like we're still mired in this goofy debate about whether COVID is real or not. It's like, okay, so, so, you know, we're going to get hit again by something. It's a matter of time. So let's fix the problem. Right. And I think the way to fix you, you either have to have regulation on private companies who are not meeting the needs of emergency situations, which means that they have to stockpile stuff that's going to expire and it's going to cost them money, but tough fucking shit. So either you regulate it or you find a way to incentivize them to have that stuff. Chances are it would cost way less money if we nationalize some of this basic infrastructure to actually defend ourselves. And we could argue that a lot of the military budget could be used to defend ourselves in a way that's more real compared to 
these weird existential threats that nobody even understands because they just learned about some country that we're involved in they've never heard of before, you know. I apologize in advance if this is too much. But the name of the fucking virus of the, of the Wuhan lab, right? <laughs> right. I mean, Dr. Fauci lying to Congress, committing perjury to say that he did not fund gain-of-function research on coronaviruses or monkeypox right. viruses in the Wuhan right. lab. I mean, I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. <laughs> like, like my family's in the Mexican mafia. Like, I can smell a grift. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why did yeah. they give us masks when they gave us the virus? Uh, right. Sorry if it's too deep, but I honestly think that no. the rabbit hole on this is deeper than we can possibly imagine. Oh, it's scary uh, to uh, think yes. about how many it's people would even I'm serious. Wait, wait, wait. One at a time, gentlemen. One at a time. Right, and 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 Jaw, Jaw, did you want to make a a, a closing? A, a, a bye bye before we go bye bye. Anne, I'm glad you're here. And Joshua, Ja. Oh yeah, I was just looking forward to see what Marco and Derek was gonna say. <laughs> I'm good. This has been really cool. Um, right a lot on. of these things are going to be on my mind as the day goes on and the week goes on. So. Oh yeah. Derek, by the way, Amanda, you... I was yeah. gonna invite. I was gonna try to kind of get pushy and invite uh nick and and uh sabby to show up uh in your super special outsourcing the revolution room um yeah i didn't really have time though boy those leftists know how to fucking talk don't they you fucking leftists need to stop making speeches and thinking 10 15 minutes i know right let's see if they respond and come to this room right yeah, yeah, I was going to try to kind of put him on the spot, but in a really sweet way, because I'm a devious fucker. But yeah. <laughs> right. Well, one of one of one of these days we will get there. Yeah, cool. They're regular working class people. I bet they would totally do it. Totally. And, and I'm totally down to have anybody on that would like to come here and talk. That's why I'm having Jenny tomorrow, because. I, it's going to be an, I'm, I'm, I'm curious how it's going to go. And I, I really hope people bring their open hearts and open minds. So here's the introduction to unfucking the Republic and Derek, especially Ooh. you, I think will enjoy this podcast immensely. If you have not wow. yet. I'm getting hard. Thank it you. On. Right on. Thanks. Fuck. Deliciously. Wait, wait, let me start it. Catastrophically. Oh my friends, we are fucked. Deliciously, unreservedly, catastrophically fucked. And not the good kind. We'll traverse this audio journey together to upend conventional wisdom, blow up narratives on the left, right, and middle, and use magical devices like facts, logic, and reason to explain how exactly we arrived in bizarro America, the funhouse mirror version of what was originally intended. I have found myself more and more fully committed to being ungovernable. We'll examine exactly how and why we're fucked. You want to claim this land's the land of a free? Then the symbol of your country cannot just be a flag. Dig into why we can't seem to unfuck ourselves. Perhaps it might be better, Mr. President, if you were more concerned with the American people than with your image in a history book. 
That's why we settle for leaders who fuck us over. Please, at least leave us alone in our living room. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not good at leaving you alone. And see if we can unfuck things just a bit, all by ourselves. I do think that as long as you continue looking at things through that old patriarchal, Cartesian, Atonian lens, you're going to miss out on what the world really is. There you go. Unfucking the Republic. You can go to UNFTR, F is in Frank, for Unfucking the Republic. For their entire back catalog, they have all of their essays on Substack. And their favorite hashtag is Fuck Milton Friedman. So it'll give you kind of a good sense of economics. Also, they're not corporate funded. The way they make money is individual memberships and they sell coffee made by roasted by the Puspatonk Nation in New York and all of the money um, that doesn't go the little bit of money that goes to the show, the rest of it goes to the to the Native American Puspatonk Nation. So they're trying to do the right thing also. Cool. Hey um Amanda, yes. um, if you could, I know you're like all busy and shit and you're like a very <laughs> important person. I'm lucky to talk to you. Oh, you know, you're so time. sweet to kiss up to me. What do you need, Derek? Mm, exactly. <laughs> yeah, hey, you're a teacher. You know what's up. Um, <laughs> if you haven't already, could you, could you check out at least, you know, just a little bit? Um, if you haven't, like I said, if you haven't already, I'm not assuming shit, but, uh, uh, the topic of uh, reparations, check out uh, HR 40 and SB 619. Um, yes, HB 40 and, and 619. I forgot about the 619, HB 40. Okay. Yeah. Let me write it down. I'm getting to my old-fashioned paper and pen. So. Yeah, that's relevant to okay. happening in the state of Oregon, but as a concept uh, that could apply elsewhere. Okay, okay. It's interesting if you knew. Um, uh, I'm thinking there could be a really brilliant kind of strategy involved uh, with pursuing reparations that involves elements of both of those, I think, more the HR 40 for sure. But then okay. com combined with efforts that that Marco brought up, uh, local efforts, I think they could work in concert in a really, in a really amazing way that I, I don't think a lot of people are thinking about. You know, yeah, I'm trying to come up with a new idea, but to me, it's just not really new, it's uh, just something I thought of. Um, well, and it's Martin, it kind Martin of goes right back about the local stuff, that's all, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm there too. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to this later, please subscribe if you haven't already and tell a friend. We're here on Tuesday afternoons and Saturday morning-ish on the, on the Pacific time zone. I've been starting about 12.15 Pacific, so a little bit before dinner time on the East Coast. Glad you've been here. Thank you, Marco, for the good conversation and information. Derek, always a pleasure to see you. And Marco, we've right. got two of you. <laughs> Anne, Anne and David, 
I appreciate you guys being here. Y'all have a great night. Oh, Vlad, we're just about to close so down. It's I nice to see you. I got talking I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll come. You can come. You can come back. Oh, we're, no. we're just closing well, we down. Go, Vlad. Too bad. <laughs> I can't be I can't be like that. Say 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 goodnight, Gracie <laughs> Vlad. You wanna say goodnight? You gotta unmute yourself. How's everyone? Oh you know what? I, I'll just sit. I'm always looking to see who I could talk to and I saw Derek and you and but it's all good. But you know, I wish I would have okay. caught on, but just I'm been so busy. But anyway, are you subs- are you time, subscribed? Uh, are you subscribed? Yes. Yeah, okay, I don't definitely. know why it didn't I, come I, up. Okay. Oh, okay, you're cool. I'm following you, so it should not be a problem. Let me see the crowdsourcing thing. Definitely, I could follow you there. Cool. Yeah, we're good. For sure. At least for next time. I'll Thank know. you. You guys have great. a great evening. Thank you. Uh-huh. Sat- Saturday, Saturday afternoon, Vlad. <laughs> Saturday afternoon. All right. All right. Thanks, Amanda. Peace. Oh, my friends, we are fucked. Deliciously, unreservedly, catastrophically fucked. And not the good kind. We'll traverse this audio journey together to upend conventional wisdom, blow up narratives on the left, right, and middle, and use magical devices like facts, logic, and reason to explain how exactly we arrived in bizarro America. Welcome to Unfucking the Republic. Throughout the show makes this whole you've no doubt observed to show that we're fucked in wait, light a match, and blow up the system. It's the business we chose. And even though a majority of Americans voted for Hillary Clinton, the stubborn fact remains that the electoral system designed to protect the interests of all Americans gave birth to a highly volatile authoritarian regime, fueled by corporate interests and normalized by right-wing news organizations that give credence to dark web conspiracies. And here we are on the eve of yet another bizarre contest. How this one ends is anyone's guess. And I'm not talking about the outcome of the election. I'm speaking about our reaction to it one way or another, and what needs to be done to undo the damage done to the United States over the past several decades.